This is Pete Russos. Welcome to the Journal of Uproarious Growth podcast. The shelter-in-place social restrictions that we are living under has increased tension and stress for so many people. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about intimacy, hurt feelings, and the self-management that is essential to mature intimacy and our ability to appropriately deal with our feelings when they get hurt. When you hear the word intimacy, what do you think of? How many of you think that intimacy pertains primarily to sex? How many of you think that intimacy done right should always be comfortable and pleasant? If intimacy is uncomfortable, how many of us think that we are not doing it right, or even more so that our partners are not doing it right? How many of us think that intimacy is something that women do better than men? It wasn't until I started to study and train in couples therapy that I began to understand what mature intimacy is and what it requires of us as individuals and as partners. In understanding what intimacy is, it's important to delineate between process and content. The way that I explain this to clients is that process is the how we do, how we engage, how we discuss, how we explore something, and content is the something. As an example, sex is a something, and how it is done is largely determined by the intimacy dynamics within each individual and between the partners. Intimacy is a two-part process. It starts with who we believe ourselves to be and what we hold to be true about our values, our aspirations, our boundaries, our ethics, and our integrities. It is about how we see and define our true selves. The second part of intimacy is how we represent ourselves to others. Are we honest about ourselves to other people? even if we expect that they will be made uncomfortable about what we are telling them about who we are? Are we willing to show our partners whom we think we really are, even if we think our partners will have a negative reaction? Intimacy also requires a willingness on our parts to see and understand our partners for who they really are and to manage ourselves when our partner's honesty makes us uncomfortable. If you think of intimacy in these terms, you can see that intimacy is about much more than just sex. In committed relationships, when both partners are being honest about themselves and honestly seeing the other person, intimacy will often be uncomfortable. That's just the way that intimacy works. Another truth is that couples have to be able to deal with the uncomfortable, tough discussions and the facing of challenging issues in order to be able to make the most of the good stuff in their relationship. Intimacy will be limited and people will struggle relationally if we believe that having our feelings hurt by another person means that we are being mistreated by that person. Hurt feelings in and of themselves don't mean anything other than we are experiencing discomfort in reaction to something that has been said to us or in reaction to the way that someone is behaving towards us. In order to not let the experience of having our feelings hurt limit our capacity for intimacy, we have to be able to tell the difference between a person being honest with us in an appropriate way 
and honesty that is being expressed in deliberately hurtful ways. Intimacy is enhanced when we are able to be honest with others in appropriate ways and when we are able to tolerate someone being honest with us in appropriate ways. Intimacy is also enhanced when we are able to appropriately assert ourselves when someone is being inappropriate towards us in the way that they are expressing themselves. I have worked with many couples over the years who come into therapy in a painful and destructive state of gridlock that is fueled and perpetuated by one or both partners expressing themselves in inappropriate ways. When I ask people about the destructive things that they say to each other and ask them about how they have decided that it's okay to speak to each other in such a manner, the response I hear very often is, well, that's just how I feel. When I'm working with clients who enact these kinds of dynamics, I always ask them if they've ever had the experience of getting really angry with a boss or really angry with a customer or a client, or if they've ever been pulled over by a police officer for something that they thought was undeserved or unfair. Nobody has ever answered no to these questions. I then always ask the clients if they've ever talked to a boss or a customer or a client or a police officer in the ways that they talk to their partner. In all the years that I've been doing this work, I can count on one hand the number of clients who have responded yes to that follow-up question. And those folks had serious anger management and or personality mental health issues. Every other client has responded no. And when I ask why they don't talk to these other people in the negative ways that they talk to their partners, the answers are always some form of, I know that I wouldn't get away with it, or the stakes are too high. These people are recognizing that how they express their anger has consequences. On the one hand, They'd like to be able to just go off and express their anger in an unbridled way, the way they do with their partners, letting whomever they're pissed off at have it with both barrels. On the other hand, they also want to keep their jobs, maintain a certain level of esteem with their boss or customer or client. They don't want to get arrested. And so their choice options for how they express themselves are in conflict. They cannot have both choices and they have to decide which choice option is best for them. Another aspect of these kinds of choice conflicts, or what the psychologist David Snarch calls two-choice dilemmas, is that one choice is typically more likely than the other choice to lead to something positive. As an example, appropriate self-management that allows someone to keep their job is clearly the better choice than acting inappropriately at work and getting fired. Another aspect of two-choice dilemmas is that very often both of the choice options involve discomfort, but one of the discomforts is more likely to lead to growth than the other choice. In the example that I've just been using, the discomfort of maintaining the presence of mind to soothe oneself through extreme anger is maturely preferable to the shame and embarrassment of losing a job or getting arrested because of unbridled expressions of anger. It's a perplexing fact of life, for many of us anyway, that the people who are most important to us, 
Our spouses, our partners, our children, for example, are the people to whom we are most likely to be honest in deliberately and hurtful ways. They are the people with whom we are more likely to disavow or ignore our two-choice dilemmas about how we express our anger and to behave in ways that are not in our best interest relationally. When both spouses are doing this, couples are much more likely to co-create a perfect storm of toxic reactivity that results in very painful discord and disconnection. Repeated experiences of these kinds of dynamics can erode self-respect and respect between partners. Such erosion over time can become a death by a thousand cuts downward spiral. For human beings, how we show up in relationships is determined by the psychological process known as differentiation. Our level of differentiation determines our ability to be authentic and comfortable in our own skin. It is the driver for how deeply we connect to ourselves and to other people. I mentioned David Snarch a few minutes ago. He and his wife, Ruth Morehouse, who is also a psychologist, have had a very significant influence on my clinical approach and how I aspire to grow and be as a person. They focus on the elements of differentiation throughout their work. The summary of differentiation that I'm about to give you is based on my understanding of their work. Our level of differentiation determines our ability to define and express our sense of identity and our receptivity to others doing the same with us. Our level of differentiation determines how well we're able to maintain our own healthy sense of identity and self-esteem so that we're not dependent on the validation of others to feel good about ourselves. An example of this aspect of differentiation is when someone expresses a view of us that is different from how we see ourselves. It's important that we're able to think about the other person's view, integrate any elements of it that we think are valid, and not take on the elements that we think are invalid. If the person is expressing a negative view of us that we disagree with, it's important that we are solid enough in our sense of self that our self-esteem does not collapse from someone else's criticism or disparagement. Another element of differentiation is our ability to self-soothe, to manage our emotions in healthy and effective ways when we experience the emotions of other people. At higher levels of differentiation, we're better able to maintain our composure and not overreact or withdraw. We're better able to stay engaged when others are expressing their emotions to us. We're able to stay emotionally connected even when we are uncomfortable with or don't like what someone else is expressing to us. In other words, we're able to manage our hurt feelings. An example of this aspect of differentiation is when our partner confronts us about something that they are upset about. When that occurs, it's important that we choose to manage ourselves effectively enough so that we can listen to what our partner has to say and not express our anger inappropriately or be reflexively defensive to them in response. We have to soothe ourselves effectively enough so that we can objectively consider our partner's complaint, and think about whether or not we have a role in it that we need to take responsibility for. 
this is what we would want our partner to do if the roles were reversed and we were bringing a complaint to them. We have to be able to similarly show up when they come to us with their complaints. Even if we think someone is mistreating us, we have to manage ourselves effectively enough to not mistreat them in return. That can be hard to do, but the relational impact of responding to mistreatment with mistreatment is distance, disconnection, and an erosion of respect. Increasing our level of differentiation is a growth process. Another aspect of differentiation is our willingness to tolerate discomfort for growth. No pain, no gain applies to psychological growth as well. Personal growth and intimacy often involve conflict, anxiety, and uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. Increasing our tolerance for these kinds of discomforts in ourselves and in others increases our capacity for growth and intimacy. By pushing ourselves to do things that we find difficult, for example, being assertive with someone, even if we think there may be disagreement and conflict, we learn new skills and we grow. Our level of differentiation determines how well we're able to maintain our personal integrity. At lower levels of differentiation, we are more likely to compromise our integrity to avoid the anxiety and tension of disagreement and conflict. When we don't maintain our integrity, we are more likely to engage in destructive behaviors such as addictions, infidelity, deceit, and other unhealthy forms of self-soothing. Until we make the shift to differentiation-based self-confrontation and responsibility-taking, such unhealthy and destructive behavior patterns will continue, causing ourselves and our loved ones pain. An example of differentiation that combines all of these elements occurs in sex. It starts with people talking about who they are as sexual beings and how they define their eroticism and their erotic maps. This is the core of a person's sexual identity, what they like, what they don't like, their preferences, their curiosities, their comfort zones, their boundaries, etc. Let's say that within a couple, one partner decides that he or she is interested in trying something new, a new position or a new behavior. Let's also say that they're anxious about suggesting this to their partner because they fear that they will get a strong, judgmental negative response. The partner who's wanting to explore the new behavior has to be able to validate themselves and soothe themselves as being okay in their desires. If this aspect of their sexual intimacy is going to be discussed and explored, he or she has to be able to soothe him or herself about the other person's response. This requires that the partner be willing to tolerate his or her discomfort effectively enough to own their eroticism and talk about their desires. And when they initiate the discussion, they have to be able to talk about the issues and assert themselves in a manner that is appropriate and that they think has integrity. This is a very common example of what growth and increasing our levels of differentiation looks like in real life. These five elements of differentiation are essential parts of intimate relational functioning. The ability to be assertive and maintain healthy boundaries is part of the differentiation process and draws on all of these elements. 
being able to manage ourselves when our feelings get hurt draws on all of these elements. Personal growth in these areas increases our tolerance for intimacy. Increased intimacy tolerance leads to a healthier sense of self and a healthier sense of connection to others. This growth also increases our resilience for dealing with the inevitable challenges that happen in human relationships and to our being able to grow from those challenges. Here are some things for you to think about. How well do you really want to know and understand your partner and have him or her understand you? How honest do you want your partner to be with you about how they think and feel about who they believe themselves to be? How honest are you willing to be with your partner about how you think and feel about who you are and who you believe yourself to be? To what extent do you rely on others to soothe and validate you? And how does that reliance on others for emotional support limit you in life? And lastly, how has the COVID-19 crisis stressed and challenged your ability to manage yourself when your feelings get hurt? Are you using this time as an opportunity to grow and to develop more effective self-management and a greater tolerance for mature intimacy? All right, folks, I want to thank you so much for listening. If you have not yet subscribed, I want to invite you to do so. Please share this information, this podcast with people that you think might benefit. And I want to wish you and your loved ones continued health, safety, and wellness. Let's all remember that whether we face this as a burden or we face this as an opportunity, that's the choice that we get to make. If you're experiencing stress in your relationships, this time is an opportunity to try to do something about it, to try to improve them. This is an opportunity for growth. This is an opportunity to become kinder, more respectful, more compassionate, more generous. Let's not squander this opportunity. Okay, time to bring it home. <laughs>